Yes, hello everyone and welcome to the Dribble Podcast, your home for basketball in WA with an inside look at the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx and WA basketball throughout the 2021-22 seasons. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian newspaper and throughout this year I'll be joined by a host of guests to provide you with as much insight and entertainment as your basketball brain can handle. In this week's episode, we'll be joined by Perth Wildcats star Luke Travers after he's spent multiple games under the watchful eye of NBA draft scouts and the US media in Western Australia. And speaking of drafts, we are heading to Hawaii, where WA's Amy Atwell is in celebration mode after being selected by the Los Angeles Sparks to play in the WNBA. But first, it's been an eventful two weeks since the last episode. COVID continues to pose challenges to everyone, including us, hence the lack of an episode last week. And we're still recording outside of the office, so you're not going to be hearing the normal broadcast quality that we would like to give you because I'm sitting at home. Uh, We have seen the Wildcats unsuccessfully attempt to get John Brown onto the roster. The club suffer an almost unprecedented run of home games losing, and then they finally ended the rot against New Zealand. There's been a host of key Wildcats figures from the ownership team in town, but they've also been very busy because today they've just announced the purchase of the WNBL's Bendigo Spirit, which means that sports entertainment group now own the Wildcats, the Spirit, and an NBA club in New Zealand, the Otago Nuggets. Perth Lynx, well, they went through a rocketing, a rollicking grand final series, I should say, that got ever so close to achieving a second championship, but ultimately they fell short. A lot has to go right to win a title, and you can guarantee players and coaches will be thinking about Marina Mabry's missed free throw and Lindsay Allen's halftime buzzer beater for a hell of a long time after the loss in Game 2. But wasn't Mabry a dead-set star, and we should all feel lucky to have seen her playing in Australia throughout this season. We can say the same thing about Jackie Young, who won the Dribble Podcast Lynx MVP award, and hopefully WA basketball fans will get to watch Sammy Wickham in the flesh in the future too. It was an extraordinary season, and the squad deserves enormous credit for what they were able to achieve. We congratulate them on making a grand final, and hopefully it won't be long before we see another championship being held up by the Perth Lynx. Well, it's been a big couple of weeks for our first guest, so let's get straight into it. Luke Travers, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Thanks for having me back. It is good to have you back. And last time we were talking about your hopes and dreams for the NBA and what the season might look like as you try to get there. And now in the past couple of weeks, you've been in the really unique position of having scouts in town actually watching you. What's been that? What has that been like? I mean, yeah, it's pretty much what you sort of dream of when you're playing basketball and when you want to go to the NBA to have scouts out here. But I think the coaching staff's been awesome about it. I think Danny's been a massive help for that as well. But also just myself, just taking it as another game. And I think that's been a big focus of mine. And I think it's, yeah, paying off. So we had Adam Detelovich from the New York Knicks, who was here, who had also been part of the Wildcats coaching staff many years ago. And the Cavs had Primo Brezek here for the New Zealand game. Adam was sitting courtside. Like, he was right behind the basket in the corporate seats. Did you notice him at all during the game? Uh, It wasn't until I actually took a stack and uh, fell into the the baseline until I realised that he was there. But, I mean, yeah, it's just just another game, I think. And and it is weird, though, to fall almost on top of him, I suppose, isn't it? Like, you you can't get any closer to the scout who's taking notes on you than to almost fall onto his lap. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit weird, but, yeah, it was just... uh, 
yeah, a little bit weird, I think. And he was watching you at training as well. So did, when you go through, a lot of players would want to be in this position, obviously, and have the chances yeah. that you're getting at the moment. When you see them at training, you know, they're just there for you really at that point. What, what do you, is it a different mindset you have to go in with for that sort of practice session? I think a big focus of mine was just taking training um, another day to get better. So I think going into the season, I think it's not really changed. Like I'm at training to get better and I always have to stay locked in in training as well. And I think Scott's been on me about that as well. So it is a little bit different, but at the same time, I'm still trying to focus on that sort of side of it and stay locked in and focus as much as I can. I did ask Scott about this because he's obviously been in the NBA for a long time and knows the processes and stuff. And he pointed out that for everybody else who's going through this, it's normal. They come for every single training session. They come for every single game. But for you, it's just so unique. So there's the opportunity, I suppose, for you to not handle it as well as you would have liked and regretted afterwards. But I felt like you lifted to go to another level. Were you really happy with how you performed? Um. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I'm more focused on trying to win games and stuff like that. So to go down against Sydney in that game and then obviously the Melbourne game as well, I think my my main focus is to try to help this team win a championship. So right now, I think coming off a good win, I think that's a good momentum shifter for us in this season. So I think we're in in the right direction now. Did you have to do any interviews with them while they were here or were they just here on a watching brief to have a look at you? I did just one interview with Mike Schmitz, who's not actually a team scout, so that was all right. But, yeah, that's been about it. So the, the Schmitz stuff was really interesting. Scott actually talk, referred to him as the equivalent of being Prince William because he can come in and talk about things as much as he wants, but he doesn't have the power of the Queen to knight people with the way he described it. He said, so he can talk you up as much as he wants, but he's not actually a drafting person. Um, uh, but it, it's still different having someone who's a – respected draft analyst in town watching you. Did you feel any different when he was going through his job? Um, uh, maybe a little bit, but, yeah, try not to overthink it. I think that's a big big part of my life is overthinking things. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it was just another game. And whether it's – no, I mean, it's obviously a bit unique coming out to Australia and stuff for these scouts. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's a, a dream come true, I think, just to even have the scouts and even be in the conversation of making the NBA. So it's been been good. I was watching you really closely in those games, wondering how you would handle it. You, did look, you looked really free, which I thought was fantastic. You didn't look like you were thinking about it. As you mentioned, you can overthink things at times you, you often feel. You didn't look like that was ever coming into your head. That's a, that's probably the biggest um, change in your career at the moment, isn't it? The, the way you've been able to put things behind you or not, not worry about what's going on in your head and just play? Yeah, for sure. I think all that credit goes to the coaching stuff. I think before every game or if I'm going through a little bit of a, like maybe a struggling game, like where I'm overthinking things or second guessing, but that week they're on me about it and just sort of bringing that trust back in. I think that's been huge for me and I think it's shown in the last couple of games um, yeah, not so much overthinking things and not second guessing myself. So it's been been awesome. You had a bit of a different role in the past couple of games, back into the starting five and, and playing more at the point as well. Did you enjoy the opportunity to showcase different parts of your skills and also from a team perspective, be able to help you help out with Mitch Norton not, not being there? Yeah, for sure. I think anytime you can, I think that's always been a big part of my game, that versatility sort of thing. People say, you know, like Swiss Army knife and stuff like that. So it's been awesome to 
yeah, play a little bit of point guard. And I think Mitch and Kev White, I know I talk about them so much, but yeah, they've been awesome with that and trying to help me out in any way they can with that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's been awesome to, yeah, sort of change up the role. And I think, yeah, I'm trying to do a good job of it right now until Mitch comes back in the lineup. But yeah, it's been fun. Does it give you a bit more freedom from a, getting into a position to, take, to, to rebound or getting open to, to get some shots rather than having someone constantly focusing on you um, when the ball's coming down the floor sudden, and you're trying to get open? Suddenly you can move around a little bit, set things up a little bit yourself and then just attack the ball in any way you can. Yeah, for sure. I think it's the, the ball's in my hands a little bit more now. So, But, yeah, trying to get my teammates involved is the first thing and get us in our sets. But if the yeah the player's pressuring me or stuff, I just go go by them anytime I can. So, it's, yeah, been pretty good, I'd say. Where do you reckon you're a different player now compared to at the start of the year? Because uh, Scott's thrown a lot of different roles at you. Where do you think your, your biggest improvement has come from? Uh, I'd definitely say confidence for sure. I think last year was sort of another... Yeah, just trying to find my way and learn as much as I could. And I think I've sort of translated that into this year. But yeah, I think my mentality sort of changed quite a bit and the confidence has grown and it still is, I think, to this day. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've noticed in my game this year. And you mentioned the thinking part before. Scott actually said the whole team was thinking too much earlier in the, in the season. He'd given them a little bit too much information and just wanted everyone to go out and play. Have you seen the difference with everybody of just... The, the last game, especially, especially not having to overthink the game and just playing a bit more freedom. Yeah, for sure. We've simplified some things as well to to help out with that stuff. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, it came came down to just playing harder and stuff like that. Just going out there and playing everyone's game and stick to your strengths. So I think that's been a big focus of ours this last couple of weeks. And I think we're yeah getting back into the swing of things. And just one more thing on the scouts before we move to um, more wildcatty sort of topics. They weren't obviously in town just watching you. They were here looking at players from Melbourne and Sydney and, and a couple at New Zealand who are very, very high on the, the radar at the moment. Competing against those guys and seeing where they sort of sit in the draft market as well, does that give you a lot of confidence knowing where you sort of can sit in that market as well? Yeah, I think for sure. I think it's, yeah, they're up there in, that, in those ranks and I'm maybe a little bit lower than them but anytime I can yeah show that I can compete with those sort of guys and I think it's yeah adds motivation as well knowing that they're out here to watch them as well and you sort of want to show what you can do as well so I think that's been a yeah a pretty cool thing about it. How do you see this weekend it's a really important opportunity for the team you've got games against Adelaide on Thursday and Cairns on Saturday it's a real business end of the season now if you win you're pretty much locked in for finals given the six percent difference between yourselves and Tasmania um can you sense an opportunity for the group at the moment yeah for sure not only just trying to clinch a spot but we're trying to win probably pretty much the rest of our games just to get into a good rhythm going into the finals so I think that's the big mindset that we're going in with is not just settling for those two wins or one win that we need to to clinch a spot. It's more just about winning every game we can and getting into a good rhythm going into finals. So this team is never just content to make finals, is it? It's always about winning the championship and having, having the experienced guys there who've been there and done that, are they the ones driving the fact that uh, the benchmark isn't just winning enough to make it? We, we, want, to, we want to finish as high as possible. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, they've all been around this this club and successful organisation for so long that they sort of know what it takes. So they're trying to pass it on to us younger guys and the guys that haven't been around. So I think that definitely helps with this um, unique group that we've got. So I think, yeah, we're all looking forward to it. 
What's changed since the, the three-game losing run? What, what's changed since then to, to really put, make the team feel a bit more confident and, and, and back on track? Because it hasn't been an easy couple of weeks for everyone. Yeah, like I said, I think we've simplified some things just defensively just to, um, yeah, make it a little bit simpler and not overthink things. Um, but, yeah, it comes down to playing hard, and I think that's what we're focusing on right now. We're doing a good job of as well, trying to – I think a big thing is a rebounding. I think that's obviously everyone spoke about as well, but it just came down to wanting it a little bit more. So I think that's been a massive focus for us and we're doing a good job and we're all playing a lot harder than I thought we were earlier. So it's yeah, trending in the right direction for sure. And at some point either this weekend or next week, you'll get Mitch Norton back. Like You must be hanging out to have him back part of the team providing the energy and defensive work ethic that he really shows every time he's out there. Yeah, definitely. I think that's been a massive part that we've missed. And Mitch is such a good player, not only defensively, but offensively. He just gets us into our stuff. And he's also you know, a very good cutter and a very good like off-the-dribble driver and stuff like that. So, yeah, to have him back will be definitely handy. And we're looking forward to it. Has so he got out to, tra- to practice yet? Is he in a position at the moment where we might see him on Thursday, do you think? Or is he, is he still being looked after a bit to potentially be one more week after that? I think he's itching to get out. So, yeah, I'd like to think that he's coming back on Thursday. But, yeah, he's been in a little bit of practice as well. So, he's looked good as well. So, yeah, fingers crossed. And what about Michael Fraser? Are we likely to see him this week? Has he been practicing as well? Because it's been a while since we've had the opportunity to see him and he's been through a lot. Yeah, I think uh, he's in sort of the same boat as Mitch. And, yeah, we'd also love to have him back. He's another awesome defender and a great player. And I think... Yeah, I think no one's yet to see what he's actually capable of and I'm looking forward to that as well. And I think it's another another weapon that we have on our team. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one as well. Can you believe you've only had the entire team out there twice all season? Like, we're so deep into the year, but you've had so many injuries and with COVID and everything else that was going on. Twice out of 23, I think it's 23 games you played now, or 24 games you've played now that um, you've had the entire group out there. It's, it's a bizarre situation, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is a little bit crazy, but I think it's also a, a scary sight for the rest of the league that we've yeah haven't had so many healthy healthy team games. So I think it would be good for for us to get into a rhythm as well going into this into the last couple of games as well. And what about yourself with your health? Like midway through the year, you were one of the guys who got COVID. I believe it hit you a bit harder than it hit some of the guys. How long did it take you to get over that one? Oh uh, yeah, obviously I got out a little bit later than everyone as well. I think it was me and like Kyle Zunick as well who were unable to play in that Adelaide Adelaide game as well. So, but yeah, I didn't. Don't think it took too long. I think we got back into training maybe the couple of days after and just had to get some some training sessions under us as well. But yeah, I think it was maybe two or three sessions you had to get under us before we had to, could get back into things. So it wasn't too long. Now, you'll be wearing yellow and black on Saturday. It's a, it's a different colour for the team as they go back with the heritage situation. 40 years, obviously, since this team was, uh, was first formed. Like, you, you love Western Australia. You've worn the yellow and black of the, of the state many times. What will it mean to you to pull on the old-fashioned yellow and black for the, the inaugural Wildcast jersey? Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think, yeah, growing up, it was the team I supported and the team I watched just about every night, every time they were on. So to be able to, yeah, represent the sort of older, older fashion Wildcats as well, I think it will be, um, yes, almost a dream come true as well. So, um, yeah, definitely looking forward to that one as well. 
lots of old timers are going to be out there too. I shouldn't really disrespect them by saying old timers. Lots of former players will be out there who have worn that that uniform. I know Mike Ellis is going to be one of them, and lots of the guys from his era as well. Have you seen them around the the, the, the club at this week, or are they allowed to be around you at the moment with with COVID? Or will it be a case of you watching them watch you from afar? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I haven't really seen them around lately, just because of all the yeah the COVIDs, obviously. Yeah, change that up a little bit, but yeah, I'm sure we'll see plenty of plenty of the old faces around the uh, the game then, and yeah, it will be awesome. And just one final thing before we let you go: How many texts did you get on April Fool's Day? The gag about your hair was a cracker. <laughs> uh, it was one of the great photoshops that, we, that we've seen. How many texts did you get as people checked in to see if it was true or not? I thought it was quite unbelievable how many texts I got about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, April Fool's is, I uh, thought, a pretty common thing, but obviously people didn't get the gist of it. So well, I would say I had probably at least 100 messages about they actually believed it. So I thought it was pretty crazy. And the photo you took of yourself in the car, so that was what topped it <laughs> off, I thought. You, you, you really yeah. got into it as well. It wasn't one photo, it was two. When did you take that photo in the car? Was that on the day? I took that, yeah, the day before and I had to send it through to the guys to sort of edit it up and I thought they yeah, did an unbelievable job. I think it definitely gave me a little bit of uh, maybe motivation to maybe do it one day and, yeah, hopefully that time is uh, not too far away. Now, you've got to name someone. Who got sucked in the, the worst? Like, who's the one, one of your mates who was like, this is, this is genuine, it's fair income, I can't believe you've done it when – Went really over the top, and then you had to say, "No, no, no, it's all cool." Uh, throw throw someone under the bus for us. I have to say, Mitch Norton for sure. I mean, yeah, he messaged me <laughs> messaged me on Instagram when I posted that, and he uh, said, "Oh, it's a sad day and stuff like that." And then maybe three hours later, he realised and he FaceTimed me at about eleven o'clock, and he still believed it until I yeah until he, I answered that FaceTime call. Uh, quite brilliant. We've done a magnificent job and the Wildcats did a magnificent job with that as well. Look, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. It's been um, a stressful couple of weeks, I would imagine, with everyone being in town and lots of focus on you. And we know you prefer to play rather than have the focus on you. But it's been fantastic seeing the steps you've taken all season and the attention that you are getting through to those deserved efforts. So thanks for joining us on the Jewel Podcast and good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you and thanks for having me. Well, it is a drafting theme today because while Luke Travers has had scouts watching him and is dreaming about hitting the big time, our next guest just had her dream come true. She is the 27th pick in the WNBA draft. She is heading to the Los Angeles Sparks. She is Perth's own Amy Atwell and all the way from her home in Hawaii. Amy, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Now, let's see how my translations go here. Ho omakai, which means congratulations. Uh, what a day. How's, how's it been? It's been a pretty crazy day, a, a bit surreal, and kind of this is the first time I've kind of sat down in my apartment and just been able to take it all in because I had a crazy couple of hours afterwards getting ready for in-person class, actually, for the last couple of hours that I've been sitting in. But um, it's been definitely an emotional roller coaster this afternoon and tonight. And Still kind of hasn't really sunk in, but definitely it's a real feeling. So this might be my favourite part of your entire day. You've just become a WNBA player, and instead of focusing on that and going out and celebrating, you've gone back to uni because we're doing this interview at 9.35pm Hawaiian time. Yeah, so I'm actually in grad school right now, and I have classes from 6 to 9pm Monday through Thursdays, and tonight was in person. I actually had a presentation, so I couldn't really skip it any either. I couldn't... Uh, 
dip out on my on my classmates and my because it was a group presentation. So yeah, I had to about two hours after getting selected in the draft, I had to take take my uh, take myself off to class. How did you perform? Were you nervous in that, or had you got rid of all your nerves throughout the entire day and just focused on what you had to do for the for the presentation? Oh yeah, that was probably the easiest part of my day. Um, that was better, much better than sitting around waiting to see if I was going to get picked or not, and when, when, and if. Um, so that was, but that was the cruisiest part of my day. So, so take me through the whole day. You, you wake up and there's nerves. What, what time of the day was it? Hawaiian time, where where the draft began, and what did you have to do just in the build up to keep yourself sane? Yeah, so the draft started at one p.m. over here. Um, so I had kind of all morning. I woke up this morning and had a meeting with my professor and after that it was like maybe 9 30 and I was like I can't just sit around here all day so I actually went to the school and worked out I got a quick lift in and some shots up um and then came home showered and then went over to my friend's parents place to watch it um so I kind of tried to keep myself as busy as possible just so I didn't have to really think about it and tried not to get my hopes up too much because you know I could have got taken also could very well um could not have gotten taken so um just trying to keep my mind off it yeah so one of the key things I reckon for every draft is the mock drafts they have and where, where people might go and all the, all the predictions. I didn't see your name mentioned too often, um, in fact, in some of them at all. Like, what expectations did you have based on, on what you'd seen around the traps? Yeah, so I had uh, seen a few of the mock drafts as well and my name was nowhere near any of them, um, which was to be expected. Hawaii's a little mid-major school, so we don't get too much attention, but um, the last couple of weeks, I kind of got a better feel for it after signing with my agent. He kind of got in, in contact with a few head coaches and uh, general managers at WNBA clubs. And I heard I actually got a couple of clubs contact me straight after season ended um, with interest. So I kind of knew the interest was there. I just didn't know how much and if it was enough to get drafted or maybe sign a training camp. Um, so over the last week, I kind of had a good idea that I could get picked up, but I didn't really know until my name was came across the screen today. And how much interest out of those clubs was LA amongst them and what sort of interest had they shown in you? Yeah, so LA was definitely, they kind of popped up about a week and a half ago. Um, and I know they were kind of interested with their second, late third round picks. Um, obviously had spoken to a few other clubs as well, but I knew they were interested and it was a possibility, so... And we see all the time with these sorts of drafts, sometimes you get a phone call from the, the general manager or the coach saying we're about to read your name out. Sometimes you get your manager ringing saying it's about to happen. Did you get the surprise moment on the screen or were you given the phone call which tipped you off to, and you got to celebrate a couple of minutes in advance? Well, I actually got a phone call from my agent about five minutes before and was like, are you watching the draft? And I was like, yeah, I'm sitting here watching it. He was like, okay, I'm not going to give you too much. I'm not going to give too much away. Just make sure you're watching the third round. So that's like kind of where my stomach drops a little bit. I was like, oh, wow, this is really about to happen. I didn't know what pick it was going to be, but I had an idea that I was going in the third round a couple of minutes before and all my teammates in the room, they saw me pick up the phone and were kind of staring at me, waiting for me to like get off. And I'd put the phone down. They're like, okay. And I was like, yeah, it's coming up. <laughs> they all kind of just went crazy. Um, so I had an idea, but I didn't know exactly when. So it was still exciting. And um, definitely when it came across the screen. <laughs> And the vision of the room itself is one. That's one of the great things about modern technology that you can shoot everything and make sure we all, all see what it was like. They were up and about. You looked in dead set shock on the couch as they all just lost their minds. Yeah, no, it was a bit. It was a bit of shock because I was just. I still think I'm in shock. I'm kind of just sitting here like, wow, that really just happened. It's something all girls dream of when they start playing basketball. Like that's the pinnacle you want to get you want to get selected on draft day and I kind of sat there and I was like wow that really just happened and everybody was yelling and going crazy and I was just 
yeah, like in shock. And one of the other great parts about the day is normally when the phone starts ringing and it's your teammates um, or new teammates and old teammates, I suppose, as well. But have you heard from many of your current teammates um, at Los Angeles yet? Uh, no, not not much yet. Um, got off the phone with – I had a phone call with the head coach, Derek Fisher, a couple of hours ago. He was just saying welcome to the family um, and kind of told me what to expect tomorrow. Um, probably get a lot more information tomorrow, so we'll see what happens then in the next 24 hours. So what does happen tomorrow? Do you, do you start heading down to, to LA? Because the training camp will start really quickly. Yeah, so I don't know exactly when. He told me the um, operations will get in touch with me probably first thing tomorrow morning, kind of talking about flights and when – I'm going to fly out. It could be as early as Wednesday or Friday, something like that. Um, I'll find out more information tomorrow. There's another rather tall Aussie on your team who's very well known throughout this entire country, Liz Cambage. She's now a teammate of yours. How much of an idol has she been of yours or somebody you may have looked up to as as the Australian Opal, the dominant player that she is? Oh, definitely. I've looked up to her for quite some time. I think most girls playing basketball in Australia look up to her and she's a great talent and has been such – uh, a huge role model in our game and has done some really great things throughout her career. So just the chance to kind of be around her and uh, soak in that knowledge is is um, absolutely really exciting for me. Now, basketball fans may not be as familiar with your family lineage as Aussie Rules fans are, but the name Atwell is rather iconic throughout Western Australia. Your grandfather, Mel, played 255 games, won five flags in the waffle and is a member of the WA Football Hall of Fame. Like, What sort of influence did he have on your sporting life as a youngster? Oh, definitely. Um, my granddad, like you said, has got a lot of accolades in the, the football world and just having that kind of sporting icon around um, – and that presence growing up was made a huge impact on me. Um, my parents, obviously, as well, um, just always encouraged me to do anything. But definitely having that kind of motivation and, and something to look up to in my granddad was definitely um, really cool. Was he a storyteller? Did he talk about himself or was it the rest of the family talking about him as, as, as you were growing up? It was a bit of both. Um, mostly, most of the stuff I found out about my granddad was through papers and kind of articles that came out about him and stuff my nan would show me back in his day. Um, so he, he didn't like to boast too much. Everything I kind of found out was, like I said, through the newspaper or through other people. And you played footy a little bit as a kid. I saw you played softball as well. So what, what drew you to basketball? Um, it was actually my older cousin. So I had two cousins that were playing basketball. And I kind of played a little bit of everything when I was younger. I was that kid that just tried everything. Um, and dad kind of came home one day and was like, your cousins are playing basketball. You want to give it a shot? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so I went down to Willison and played my first couple of club games there and fell in love then. And t- tell us about the rest of the family. I've chatted to your dad and I've chatted to your sister at different points today trying to get, get in touch with you. It's a, it's a, they're, they're, they're extremely excited, as you can imagine. Tell us about the family and what it's been like to live so far away from them for so long. Yeah, it's been a crazy um, long six years, but it's kind of flown by. Um, I couldn't have done anything that I have, especially these last six years or throughout my career without them. They've been there every step of the way supporting me, um, backing every decision I made. They were the ones that kind of pushed me to come to college in the first place, especially my mom. Um, So my parents definitely got to thank them for running me around to basketball trainings all the time back home and pushing me. Um, But got an older sister and a younger brother. Obviously, you spoke to Haley. Um, She played a lot of sports growing up too, so... We were all, us three kids were all super, always super competitive, um, always would play a lot of sports in the backyard with my little brother. Um, so I think that's where I get my competitive nature from. But 
uh, just got a super supportive family all the way across the board and have always kind of been in my back corner no matter what. So let's go back a bit to when you headed over to Hawaii. You're 18 and Hawaii is a bloody long way away and then, bang, you blow out your knee really early in the piece and you, there's a knee reconstruction required. I can't imagine there's a more lonely place in life than when you're overseas with a knee reconstruction. Yeah, moving halfway across the world at 18 years old, not knowing anybody is pretty tough. <laughs> and then coming over here to play basketball and then not being able to do that was just another kind of blow. Um, I definitely think it helped me kind of, it kind of shaped my six years here. That was definitely the hardest year I had here and kind of getting through that mental barrier of being homesick and not being able to play the sport I love. And the reason I came here was was definitely tough, but I had, I had great people around me and a great support system every step of the way. How did you do the knee? Was, I know I was playing in a game, but what, what were you actually doing? Was it a rebounding situation? Was it a changing direction with the ball? How, how did you do the damage? It was, I kind of went up to, I had just turned the ball over actually. So it was really my own fault. <laughs> um, and the girl was kind of running out for a stride out layup on a fast break. And I was kind of chasing from behind. And I wasn't sure if, I wasn't quite close enough to kind of contest the shot and try block it. But for some reason I thought I was. <laughs> thought I was LeBron in the moment or something. And I went to jump and my knee just like dislocated on me and gave out. And so I wasn't changing direction. I was trying to actually jump up, but I just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> So, and then what was the rehab like? To do it by yourself in America, like, it must have been really lonely at that point. Or did you travel with the team to, to do it all? We, you, how, how are they situated to make sure that you felt okay? It was actually, I was actually really fortunate. Um, the team actually traveled me on every road trip my freshman year um, just to kind of get the feel of it. And I also traveled for rehab purposes. So I did all my rehab with um, my athletic trainer, Erin Tillman. Um, she had a lot of patience with me. <laughs> at times um because it was definitely tough sometimes but i traveled on every road trip and hung out with her for three hours every day doing my rehabs she was there every step of the way so definitely was lonely but i also had people around me every step of the way so when did you start to feel like you could play again now i'm not just mean just get onto court but when did you start to feel comfortable and the player that you are it wasn't until probably quite recently like maybe two years ago um because even coming back from that acl I was playing and I was cleared to play and I felt physically good, but I still just kind of didn't have all that trust back. And then I actually ended up tearing my meniscus again that next off season and had to have another two surgeries. Um, so that next like year and a half, 18 months after my ACL, um, I was still kind of battling the injuries, had a couple more surgeries in there and still trying to find that groove and get back into it. So it wasn't really until the year before COVID, um, that season I had really kind of found my feet again and kind of felt like the same basketball player I was before I tore my ACL. And then obviously COVID shut things down. But um, yeah, it wasn't probably until about two and a half years ago where I felt that I really got back to my game. So how proud are you of your resilience then? Because COVID happens as well, as we said, yeah, you've spent six years at college, which is insane when you, when you think about it. It's meant to be four. You've, you've missed one with a knee, you missed one through COVID, and now you're here. Yeah, um, it's definitely been a crazy ride. And I think that is one word that like really sums it up is resilient. I've gone through the homesickness, which kind of every um, Aussie battles over here. And then the injuries on top of that, coming in and out of lineups, thinking I was cleared and then, you know, messing my knee up again, having another surgery. Um, it's definitely shaped me into who I am today, but it's also something that was kind of instilled from in me from a young age. Um, my family has always kind of taught me never to give up and kind of always push through. And yeah, there's nothing, 
you're never going to, you know, you're never going to come across something that you don't, that you can't get through. Um, especially if, the, if you have the right people around you. So I kind of just, I had a lot of faith in my support system and knew that I had everyone around me and everything around me I needed to get through whatever kind of was thrown in my path. And then you get to this year where you're feeling healthy and everything's good again. And big West champion player of the year drafted first university of, of w, uh, first university of hawaii big west player of the year since 1989-90 second player ever from the uni that was drafted i mean it, it's a mind-blowing achievement when you look at the history of the group that you're involved with definitely um and i kind of came back this year for a conference championship and that was kind of my mindset that was why i came back for my sixth year and i've kind of just blown all my expectations out the park um i kind of always knew i was capable was whether i was going to get healthy enough and stay healthy enough for long enough um but yeah it's been a crazy year this is what your coaches had to say about you today in the release on the club's website. It says, Amy Atwell is one of the better shooters in the 2022 class, not just in her ability to, ability to convert her attempts, but in the way she can get her shot off as well. You actually have the record at your college for three-point shooting. Um, you've got scoring records galore. Where did your scoring strengths come from? Um. Definitely my three-point shot is the kind of pinnacle of my game. That is my strength. Um, it's kind of funny because when I was younger, I was very right-hand drive dominant. Um, and it wasn't until one of my coaches at the time came to me and was like, if you want to go to that next level, you're going to need to develop a pretty decent outside shot. So it was my mom that got in the gym with me every Saturday, would go down to Wesley, the local um, the local high school down the road and we would get like an hour of shots up every, every Saturday. And then it kind of became my forte that I went from a driver to a three point shooter, <laughs> two ends of the spectrum. Um, and then with all my knee injuries, that was all I could do for a while was stationary shooting and stuff like that. So it kind of just continued and kind of became my signature over time. You mentioned before that you're a Williton girl, Williton Tiger. Uh, what, what is that? group and, and, and that squad from back then mean to you? Do you have it? Have you had any contact from, from them at all, I suppose, today? Yeah, so I actually have heard um, from most of my – well, we were, with, we were with each other for like six years, my Willis and Tigers Junior Club group. Um, they actually messaged me in a group chat today and was like, okay, so is this the girls' trip to LA? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I actually – last time I was back in Australia, we all had a big catch-up and went to one of the Williston games um, and had fun. Those girls will always have a special place in my heart and kind of always stay in touch with those ones. Um, yeah. And what about Penrose? Yeah, obviously you went, you went to Penrose. It's important to mention your school. Like, have you heard, are you in touch with many of that crew? Yeah, definitely still in touch with some of my uh, closest friends from, from high school. A, couple, a lot of them have messaged me today. I haven't really gotten back to most of them because my phone has just been a, kind of crazy. Um, but, yeah, definitely have heard a whole bunch of support from them as well, which is great and always – Always love that. So you want one of two Aussies to get selected today, Jade Melbourne, who we've all seen playing with the Canberra Capitals uh, this year, is off to Seattle, very famous place for Australians to go to. Seattle, it seems like every Australian goes there and then wins championships. Um, have you had anything to, to do with Jade at all throughout your time? Have you crossed paths at any point? No. Um, I kind of The first time I heard about her was probably a couple of weeks ago um, when I was kind of reading some of the mock drafts and her name popped up and I was like, oh, that's another Aussie, and then kind of looked into it. Um, so she's been killing it at the WNBL. Um, but before that, I think she's a couple of years younger than me, so I hadn't really heard much before that. Now, well, if, if you do both get on the court at any point in the first 
couple of weeks, there is a clash against Seattle on May 20. And for the fans over here who have just been watching Jackie Young and Marina May be playing, there's a clash against Las Vegas on May 23. And then on May 31, uh, there is a game against Dallas where Mabry will be involved. And shortly after your birthday, you play New York and Sammy Whitcomb will be involved in that game. So there's a fair, there's a strong WA tie. Have you managed to maintain any um, links with the Perth links in terms of watching games or monitoring what's going on in WA basketball? Have you been too busy with your crazy uni life and your crazy basketball life? No, I've definitely still kept in touch. Uh, one of my best friends, Mackenzie Clinchoykite, actually is a development player for the Perth links. Um, so I stay in touch with her. I call her most weeks. Um, so I get updates through that a lot and was kind of following them through the final series just recently. Um, so definitely still in touch with the and keep in, keep in the loop as much as I can. So tomorrow you wake up and your world is vastly different to when you woke up this morning. Have you thought at all about what your life is going to be in the next couple of weeks as it just changes and your dream is right in front of you? Um, I'm trying not to think about it too much because I think when I wake up tomorrow, it all becomes very real. Um, and like you said, it is going to change a lot in my next few weeks. It's going to be super full on and it's going to kind of be all over the place and craziness, but it's a good craziness and it's something I really look forward to. Well, congratulations. What a day. Dreams come true and your world has changed forever. So I'm sure all of WA is really, really excited for you. And it's just the sort of thing that everyone hopes will happen to them. And today it's happened to you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for the Dribble Podcast this week. Remember, keep logging on to thewest.com.au for all your basketball news and pick up your copy of The West Australian. Thanks to Luke Travers and Amy Atmel well for their time this week. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Dribble Podcast.